We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages and inspires you. For more information, head to lifepointwithanee.org.au. Well, this is our last in the series of making change and looking at our generosity. Next week, we've got John Sweep, and the following week, we're starting a new series, and it's called Not Afraid. And we thought it'd be great at this time, as we see world events and stuff like that, to look at what it means to trust God and not be afraid. So that's coming up, and we are, looking, we are excited about preaching on those areas. But today, I want to look at what our generosity says about our view of God, what our generosity says about how we view God. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, this morning, I just ask for you to have the freedom to touch our hearts. God, may we hear from you and your word. It's not about what I've got to say. Lord, it's about what you and your word want to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me read to you a story I just love in Scripture. John 6, 5 to 13. I just love this story. I just love it because there's so much in it and it's just so beautiful. It says... Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we could not have enough money to feed all these people. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with such a huge crowd? Jesus said, tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now go and gather the leftovers so that nothing would be wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left over from the people who had eaten the five barley loaves and two fish. Isn't that amazing? What an amazing story. Imagine that boy. Imagine that boy... I don't know where he was going that morning because we didn't know that this crowd was going to happen at that place at that time. But imagine that boy, an ordinary morning like any other morning, he gets up and his mother probably nags him and says, don't forget to take your lunch, Johnny. Take your lunch. And he has a look at his lunch and says, Mum, sardines and some bread again, is it? Some pretty stale, yep. And you want me to take that? be so easy for him not to take it. You know, kids, when they, they, they want something, they want the nice stuff, not, the, not the, the usual stuff. But that's what he had. So for some reason, that morning, he took his lunch, not knowing what his lunch would do to make a difference for the kingdom of God. How often do we not think about the little that we have, the difference, the impact that it would absolutely have? This boy... The miracle of generosity was for every single person. When he took his lunch, he gave it to the one who can do absolutely anything. When he handed it over to Jesus, the miracle happened and it made an impact. It made a difference. 
this young boy. Out of everyone there, who really deserved to eat that day? Who? The boy. The boy was the only one that really deserved to have his lunch because he come prepared, he he came organised, he had his lunch and he could have held on to his lunch and he could have said, it's mine, I'm not going to share it with you. Have you ever heard that? Remember kids when you used to sit there under the trees at lunchtime or under the, the building at school and you're having lunch and we'd all have our little lunch boxes and you look them there and you try and look at who's, who had what next door. It's mine. This is mine, this mine culture. Well, this guy, this little guy could have said it's mine. There's something in his heart. I wonder if the disciple had to pry it out of his hands. I don't think so. I don't think it... Look, honestly, I don't think he was excited about his lunch. <laughs> I really don't think he's excited about what he had, so it's easy to give that away. I know my grandkids, if they don't like something, they always try and give it to me to eat because they think there's something better coming. So I don't think it was a real big thing for him to just give away his lunch because he thought maybe I might get something back that's a little bit better. And sometimes for us, we don't realise when we give something away or give it to God, the impact that it absolutely makes. You know, when we look at generosity, we display God's heart to others by our attitude, our attitude towards God, our attitude towards how we give, our attitude towards how we bless people. We display God's hearts. His heart. So if someone looks at you who doesn't know God, just say there's a non-Christian person, they look at you and you're demonstrating God, what will they see in you? What will they see in you that they'll think, yep, God's like that person. God's exactly like that person. Will there be a generous heart they see? Will there be love they see? Will there be care they see? You know, we are the only Bible at times that people Read And the Bible says they'll know we're Christians by love, by what we do, that we are the loving ones. We are the ones that make an impact and make a difference. So it all comes down to our heart. And the Bible in Matthew 6.21, just get this there. He says, where your treasure is, there shall your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So giving, giving is all an attitude of my heart. There's a couple of points I want to make about this because it's about an attitude from my heart. Do you see yourself as entrusted or do you see yourself as entitled? We've talked about the entrusted generation. The entrusted generation says it's mine and I've got every right to do what I want to do with mine. It belongs to me. I got it. So it's mine. And people who are entrusted, sometimes they'll just go this far and not that far. It's mine. I don't want to share it. It's mine. I've got a right to this. I've got a right to my say. I've got a right to make a difference. I've got a right to step out and do what I want to do. That's entrusted. But on the other hand, you have people who, who, who sorry, that's entitled. They're entitled to this. Entitled. Entrusted is when someone realises what I have is a blessing. What I've been given is an absolute blessing and it's worth sharing. When I share what I've been entrusted to makes a difference. Are you entitled or are you entrusted? 
I love entrusted people because there's always enough to go around. Entrusted people, there's always a bit more. There's always another smile. There's always some more generosity. They're great to be with. Entrusted or entitled? Do you give our relationship or do you give out of reluctance? Your relationship with God means I give to God because I want to. I give to God because I realise when I give to God, it's a blessing. Reluctance means I want to hold on to what's mine because I don't think there's any more coming. Do you think God's like that? I want to hold on to this because I don't think God has got the power to give me more. I know for Meryl and I, our journey in life, it's been quite interesting as God's called us into different things. When we first got married, we realised being married, we were part of a, a youth group and then a young adults group and we really wanted to make an impact on um, Toowoomba where we're living. So we needed to, we felt God had given us a vision to buy this double-decker bus to make an impact and you, you all heard the story, but we didn't have the money. And we're just married and we had two cars. Meryl had her car, a 120 wide Datsun, two-door supercar. It was green, so that lost all the power. It should have been red. But we traded her amazing Datsun in on this massive, big 1956 Leyland double-decker bus. And people couldn't have believed what was happening. You sold that car for that because we had a heart, because we realised if we had a bus, we can make so much more difference to the people of Toowoomba than what we could do if we just kept a car. So we sewed the car into sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ across Toowoomba, across the shows, and making impact and making a difference. It was our relationship that we did that. And then we went church planting, and when we went church planting, hey, we, we didn't do the tithe because... The tithe wasn't enough. The church had nothing. When we would start churches, there was nothing. All the stuff you see here in this church, there was nothing. Guess who bought the first keyboard? Guess who bought the PA system? Guess who bought what they used to call overhead projectors? <laughs> Guess who bought those? Because it was our relationship, because we thought if we sowed into these things, we're going to bless so many more people than us. We're going to bless many people. That's what happens when we realise it's out of relationship. God, I have the privilege of blessing others. Let me step up and do that. Do you give because it's obedience or because it's optional? To be obedient to God is amazing. We heard the principle as we heard the testimonies just before, the, the principle that, that as, we, as we give to God, that, that he blesses, Malachi says, bring the whole tithe into God's house. I was reading this last night and he said, if you don't do that, you're robbing God. And do you know what the people used to do then, then back, back at that time? They were supposed to bring their, their first animal as a sacrifice into God's house and then trust God to, to give them the rest, just give the first. So they used to wait till they, heard, they had the herd and they had the whole herd there and then when it come the day to sacrifice what they do they'd look around the herd and they'd find the most scrawny the most worst the the one that's almost on deathbed and they they would take that animal and they give it to God for the sacrifice and what Malachi is saying you're giving your worst to God and asking him to bless it how can you have the blessing unless you give the best to God and then you see the blessing of God that's a principle in scripture and sometimes our heart finds it hard to accept that. And 
If we don't have a generous heart, we have a reactive heart. And my heart was really saddened this week. I, I was watching the, the, a well-known preacher and he, he preached on, on tithing and giving to God. And then in the comments, they were absolutely scathing underneath. They said, tithing is not a New Testament principle. Yep, I agree. Tithing is not a New, new Testament principle. So this guy is um, a heretic, absolute heretic. He shouldn't have a church, he shouldn't be a pastor. And then they started getting in there and absolutely demolish his character because he made that statement. This was a guy who probably gave 50% of his stuff to God, not 10%. So his message would be, yep, I give far much more than, than 10%. And yet they were so scathing towards him because their hearts were hard. The New Testament principle is, they had nothing, but out of their nothingness, they gave abundantly. There's the New Testament principle if you want to challenge it. And how amazing it is when we see God bless through people who give. It's not about how much you got, God. Guys, God isn't looking for how much we got. God's looking for hearts that are right before Him. They're saying, God, I'll give you my best no matter what it is. I'll give you my best as I serve you. I'll give you my best in my time. I'll give you my best, God, um, through, through my youth years and, and through, through years while I can serve you, God. I will give you my absolute best and bless you. It's about obedience. It's about trusting Him. And it's about a heart to multiply, not to maintain. Do you realise Something crazy happens when we bring our first fruits to the one who made the ground that the first fruits grew in. Now, I was hoping to have lettuces here this morning. <laughs> but all the people who do drugs and everything, they're now in step, they're growing lettuces because they're so expensive. They're worth, um, worth selling, aren't they? So um, yeah, maybe get your back gardens going and get some lettuce there and you'll be millionaires and then you can serve Jesus and give more to him. So <laughs> after church, we're doing a garden up the back and um, we need everybody there because we're going to take this further. Hey, there are 10 capsicums. They were the cheapest ones I could find. There are 10 capsicums. God says, that one's mine. That one's mine, 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 and that one's mine. Is that generosity? <laughs> That's generous. All of those are mine. And God says, you do what you like. But so many people say, God, thank you for that, but I want to keep it all for me. It's mine. And if we keep it to ourselves and it's mine, that's all it is. It's mine. But God says, just give me one. Just give me one. Because when we give God one, he takes it. And he starts to use it and he starts to sow it into the soil. And as he starts to sow all this into the soil, it all starts to grow. And it all starts to multiply. And it makes an incredible difference because God just keeps sowing his. You can keep all yours, it's all right. We've lost one already. You can keep all of yours, that's okay. But just give me one. Because if you just give me one, look what I can do. I just keep sowing it and sowing it. Yeah, you keep yours. 
But before long, that absolutely multiplies. We had one idea, one idea, kilo of kindness. A kilo of kindness because we can bless someone. Just one idea, one kilo of kindness. We started to sow that idea and now out there already probably would be 50 bags of kilos of kindness. Isn't that God? Isn't that God? And that's what the church is about. That's why I'm saying bring it into the church because the church together can multiply it. Just imagine if Chris and Kyra decided on Friday nights, they weren't having youth group at the church. They're just going to do their own thing. They don't believe the principle of being the church. So at their home, they have youth group. Well, they could probably fit 10 into the house. So the youth group, all it would ever be would be 10. It's not sowing. It's not sowing in the seed. It's not given to God. It's not given to Him to multiply. They just keep it together and they keep it together and hold it on to themselves and because they hold it so tightly in one hand, they won't let go of it. What happens is they only have nine or 10 people. But when they bring it to the church and invest their time, their effort in the church, it multiplies to 10, 20, 30, 40 because other people share the vision because that's what the church is about. And I get so frustrated when people don't believe in the church. I don't need church. You may not need church, but God needs you in the church because it's in the church and we're together that God plants these seeds and we start to multiply. We dreamed 18 years ago that somehow we could affect our community through Christmas. We stood at the front gate on the first night of our first Christmas at Life Point and said, God, will you bring them? And people stepped up before that who just said, I've got a gift of welding, said John Hobbs. Another person said, I've got a gift of being creative, said Anna Paras. I've got a gift of dancing, said Anna Greenbury back then, Golding now. These people had their gifts and said, I'll just give them to God and start sewing. I'll start sewing, I'll just give these gifts. And now 18 years later, and hundreds of thousands of people over the years have come because people took their gift and gave to God and were generous with it. And some of those years, I know these people, they were tough years and they could have retracted their gift, but they kept giving and gave their gift and God took it and he sowed it in the seed, <laughs> seed in the ground like he always does when we give it to him and he multiplies. But he can't do that with that because it's mine and it's tucked away and I've got control of it. When we let it go, we give it to him and through his people and through the church, what happens, he sows it and he multiplies. That's his principle. That's the amazing principle of God. That little boy that day had his meal. He had his meal and he could have said, no, nah, I'm not gonna share it. No, nah. he had his meal. He realized if I give it away, it's gonna come back. And I want to tell you this morning, if you give it away, it's going to come back. God is absolutely amazing. He will look after you. We were church planning in Mariba. We um, were down on holidays here around the Sunshine Coast and, and loving it. We were heading back. We were heading back and we got to Rockhampton. And in the middle of Rockhampton, this was on a Friday afternoon at five o'clock, I had to start teaching on the Monday, so we had to get back to Mariba. Here we were in the middle of Rockhampton, the main street, and we heard this almighty bang in our car and our car blew up. Absolutely blew up. And we got the RACQ and looked at it and the RACQ said, there's absolutely nothing we can do except to tow it to the dump. So here we were in the middle of Rockhampton, coming back from holidays, and our kids in the back seat said, Mum and Dad, you need to pray about this. So we prayed. 
And we said, God, we've always trusted you. You've always been the God of more than enough. You've always been the God that provided. Can you please provide a car for us to get back to Mariba in time? So there's a hotel nearby. So we booked into the hotel and we stayed the night. The next day, it was quite a sight, quite a sight. We had everything from our holidays. We had bags and we had everything. We had a few presents that were given to us. So here we are as a family. There's Meryl and I and Joel and Anna. And we had bags and we had ports and we had cardboard boxes. And here we are walking around the car yards trying to find a car. It must have looked a sight for a um, person who's a salesman seeing these people walking in with their bags and thought, here's a sale. For sure, they don't even have their car. So we get in there and they said, well, where, where's your car? You got a trade? And we said, oh, it's at the dump. We, we, <laughs> we don't have anything. So to cut a long story short, we ended up buying a car and um, Meryl's dad was able to pay for it to, there and then so we could pay him back. And even when we got back to Mariba, the guy who was a salesman was so touched that he rang us back to make sure we got, rang us when we were up in Mariba to make sure we got back in time and that everything was good. Now, that is a miracle that a car salesperson could do that. But he was touched, absolutely touched by God to see this family walking around with all their the holiday goods around these car yards looking for a car. But God never, ever let us down. And that's the story. When you invest and you trust in God, He never, ever, ever will let you down. So with God, with God as you trust Him, what happens every time I give? Let me just race through these really quickly. Every time I give, generosity honours God. God is honoured by our generosity. You will be glorifying God through your generous gifts. Your generosity will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Whoever is generous to the needy, God honours. That's what the Word says. Don't question me, go to the Word. Anyone who is generous to the needy, God honours. Be generous to the needy, God will honour you. The next one, generous generosity makes me more like Jesus. The greedy always want more, but the godly love to give. Purity is the best demonstration for generosity. Generosity demonstrates my faith. When I give it in, in faith, it makes a difference. The first, that's why God says, give this one to me first, because that's an act of faith. Don't wait to see how much you've got. Give this to me first and trust me with the rest. That's an amazing act of faith. Generosity reveals my character. If you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches in heaven? How can God trust you with all the heavenly stuff if he can't trust you with the earthly stuff? Generosity brings God's blessing. I wanna say that again. Generosity brings God's blessing. Generous people will be blessed. Proverbs chapter 22, verse nine, it's there. Read it. That's what the Word of God says. Generosity expands my influence. As we give, our influence is blessed. How many people here have a compassion child or a, a child that, that they're sponsoring overseas? Can I see your hands? Do you realise if you go 
to visit your child and you walk into their home, no matter how small and how dumpy it is, that they will have your photo sitting there on the wall. It won't be on the fridge because they don't have a fridge, but you'll see a picture of you and every single picture that you send over to them, it will be on their wall because you have been generous and they want to bless you because they understand what generosity does to walk into that place and to see how small it is and how untidy it is and how snatchy it is. And you look up and you see your photo just brings tears to your eyes to think, I can make a difference through my generosity. Generosity multiplies my money as I trust God as I'm generous. generous. God gives us more, but he gives us more by us saying, well, God, not just one-tenth, I'll give a bit more and see if I can trust you and prove you and see what you can do. And God multiplies it. Generosity means God will multiply and generosity will be rewarded in heaven. I tell you, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends in this way. Your generosity stores up reward for you in heaven. Have you got everything banked on an earthly mindset that's just about what I have? Or have you got everything banked on a heavenly mindset to realise what I sow makes a difference? Those ladies that went and cut ginger 40 years ago, you're sitting here in a church that they invested in because they did that. It makes a difference and it makes a difference for eternity. We look too much from this side rather than God's side. Let me just tell you, let me finish with the story of Lazarus. Lazarus, we all heard of Lazarus. Lazarus died. Jesus called him back to life. That's the miracle. He died and then Jesus called him back to life. And that was four days later. But there was an absolute miracle. Everyone was happy. Everyone was celebrating. Lazarus has risen from the grave. Read the story. It's exciting. Lazarus has risen from the grave. Everyone was excited except Lazarus. Get it right? He was not excited that day. You see, he had died. He had gone into his mansion. He'd been dead for four days. So what was he doing? The Bible says you don't stay in the grave dead. You go into heaven where God has planned his plans, his purpose. He's built a mansion for you. So here is Lazarus in his mansion. He said, wow, this is great. I'm just, this is my table. It's beautiful. I'm decorating my mansion. My mansion looks amazing. Look at this. He enjoyed decorating his mansion. It was beautiful. He used to have a bad knee and limp around. But God, obviously in eternity, we are whole and his aches and his pains were gone. Amen. <laughs> There's no more aches and no more pains. He was excited. He was feeling great. He got his disciples together and he prayed, played footy with them. And he had this maroon jersey on as he played and he was excited. And he had so much fun and he had joined the right team and he went for it. Sorry, the disciples weren't there yet, but I thought that sounded good, especially with the maroon jersey. Isn't that right, AB? So streets of gold. There's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. The mansions he was enjoying in heaven. He was having fun. He'd made it. Hallelujah. Isn't that what we believe? And we've got to get excited and start to believe it. Then all of a sudden, 
a knock on the door, excuse me, Lazarus. He said, yes. Can you just listen for a moment? We don't usually do this, but we're going to have to send you back. (laughs) Back to the Middle East where there's no air conditioning and there's no mansions and there's no great footy. We've got to send you back because it's about eternity. It's about investing in eternity. Thanks, worship team. A small boy, when he left home that day, did not realize that he was so into eternity all that he had, that he was going to sow into eternity when he was generous with the little, ordinary, average, unimaginative lunch he had. Rather than holding on to the little, he gave it to Jesus. And 5,000 plus people that day heard the message of Jesus Christ and the hope that they have because they stayed because of that boy's little that he gave to Jesus and he made it a lot. And that principle has always been there and always will be there. It's a matter of your heart. Give the little and stand back and see what God does and get excited. And it's just not about this stuff. It's about all these little things here that He's going to sow into lives and hearts and He's going to keep transforming. And there will be people walking through heaven and they'll see this little boy and they'll call him boy because no one bothered to put his name down because probably nobody knew his name but he's influenced so many lives because of his generosity. And they'll call him boy and they'll say, are you that boy? And he'll say, I've got a name. <laughs> Let's say Johnny. I'm Johnny. They want to say, thanks. Because of you, I heard the message. And because of you, I'm here today celebrating heaven. I just want to say, thanks. That was the most amazing lunch you could have ever given anybody. It makes a difference. Every time you sow, every time you give, every time you do, in Jesus' name, heaven is transformed because the moment God gets his hands on it, he sows it to make a future of hope, inspiration, and transformation to every single person that will listen. Can you stand with me? Lord God, this morning, I want to say thank you. Thank you so much for what you've given. For every single one of us, it's not about the amount, Lord. I want to say thank you for hearts, hearts that are generous, hearts that will sow into your kingdom, hearts that are willing to believe the Word of God and to believe the principles that you've got in there of giving. And today, 
Holy Spirit, can you start to bless hearts? Just let hearts feel the sense of your presence. A sense of your smile. As I generously believe you and give to you. I want to say this morning, Lord, thank you so much for the absolute honour it is to be generous and give to you. Amen. Let's declare these words.
Amen, do you believe it? The absolute generosity of God. Just while we're worshipping, there's a word that I need to speak out and it's for you, you really need to hear this. God has been an absolute generous God and He's been working with you, opening your spiritual eyes to show you His love and His kingdom and you've never stepped in. And God is saying His patience cannot keep pushing through, pushing through. You're missing out on so much. You're worried about what will happen if you say yes to Jesus. He's saying you're missing out on so much. When you say yes, He will transform your life. He'll transform your heart. He'll open up a door that no one will close. He has got so much for you, but don't mess around with God and stand on the outside and look in. You need to step in. You don't know how much time you've got. You don't know how long before He comes. We are messing close to eternity. We're only one breath away. And God is calling you to step in. Don't leave it any longer. Don't mess around because your name could be the next one called. And He's not sending you back like Lazarus. You're staying there. And that's you. I have the absolute burden today. I don't want anyone to walk the streets of heaven and say, we never told you. We, I don't want anyone to miss heaven and say, you were never told. So today, if you know you're not in, if you're not his, if you've never prayed a prayer to say yes to Jesus, you need to do it. I'm not messing around, you just need to do it. You don't know how much time you've got. Let me pray this prayer. This is a miraculous prayer that will change your heart and change your life. If you've never done it, today's your day and you need to do it. Simply Pray after me, Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. Forgive me for my sins. I need you in my life. Please come in, fill my heart and transform me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer, that's you. You need to do something about it. Um, go to the Yes desk. You can get a um, leaflet there. And next steps, you need to join an Alpha course. The Alpha course is amazing. Then another one's coming up very shortly. Just talk to the um, Yes desk or someone you, you know here, and they will tell you the next steps. If you're online, please hit the host button. If you are watching on LifePoint Live Connected, if you're watching on some other platform, hey, our website, or you can ring our office, go, you'll find the number there on the um, website, or if you just go on the website, connect with us, fill out the information, say you've come to know Jesus, we will follow you up. There's no time for messing around any longer. God, I really believe, is doing something amazing. Trust Him. So God, this morning we wanna trust You. We wanna say, Yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Bless you. Have an amazing week. Keep close to Him.